James wrote, reminded, and warned us about the second coming of Jesus Christ and the day of judgment coming to us all. Today, we'll be looking at what the Bible teaches us about these two things. This message is the eighth in the series, Real Deal Faith. The message is entitled, Preparing for Jesus' Return. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word this evening. And let me just uh, give you a little bit of an update as we're heading into the fall of the year. Uh, first of all, next weekend we'll wrap up this series called Real Deal Faith we've been involved in over the summer, so don't miss our wrap-up next weekend. I'm going to talk about values in your life, the importance of values. And then weekend after next, we're actually going to start a new series for the fall that I'm extremely excited about, The Power of personal choices, the power of personal choices. You know, a lot of things in life you can't control, but one thing you can control are the choices that you make. I'm going to talk to you about just some critical choices, actually some very simple choices that you can make in your life that will actually turn your life in some radically wonderful directions for your journey with Jesus and your family and yourself, every part of your life. So I think it's going to be a really life-changing series. So mark on your calendar, weekend after next, our new fall series, uh, The Power of Personal Choices. Tonight, I want to talk to you about preparing for Jesus' return. We're involved in this series of messages called Real Deal Faith in the book of James. James is the first of the 27 books of the New Testament that was written and provided for us, uh, actually in the canon of Scripture. And uh, James, being the half-brother of Jesus, writes with a unique perspective and gives us some very specific instructions regarding how we are to live our lives. And James is a part of the five chapters of the book of James, zeroes in on a theme that I think most of us as Christians have some interest, we at least should have some interest in, and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Are we prepared? Are, do we know? What do we know about His second coming? And so I'm going to share with you some things that James talks about here and also some other passages. And I hope that you will listen uh, this evening with, with maybe a fresh perspective. One of the things that perhaps has not been taught much in the church is really things about the second coming. And sometimes when people teach the second coming, they get involved in so many of the details in terms of just sort of speculations about how things are going to happen when Jesus comes back again that the real essence of the message is lost. And so tonight, I'm not here to mystify you. I'm not here really to try to give you some amazing theory that I have about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm here to give you a basic biblical understanding of what you need to know about the coming of Jesus. And if you know the things I'm going to share with you tonight, if you learn these things and get them deeply in, embedded in your heart and your spirit, I promise you it will change the way you live. Every part of your life will be different if you learn how to live in the light of His coming as the Bible teaches. And so, go ahead and grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we grab as we go right into the teaching tonight. Really, two major points I want to share with you, and some things we'll fill in as a part of that. Number one, you and I need to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The key words there: be prepared. Say them with me: be prepared. One of the best cures for any spiritual problem, I believe, in your life is the remembrance, the anticipation that Jesus Christ is going to come back again. James draws us to this attention in James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Listen as I read this from the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, that's you and me, obviously, those of us who know Christ, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. 
you too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Circle that phrase, the coming of the Lord is near, or certainly that one word, near. You say, well, how could James say that the coming of the Lord is near? Obviously, he was writing these words inspired by the Holy Spirit over 2,000 years ago. And so it would seem if he would say the coming of the Lord is near, we would not still be here 2,000 plus years later. So how could James say the coming of the Lord is near? Well, to understand James' words, you have to understand in essence what the word near means. He says it is, the word means actually approaching, it is drawing close. That is every day that we live we're drawing much closer to the coming of Jesus. So if it was near in James' day, how many know it's much nearer in our day? That it's approaching. It's something that is coming our way. It's like you're driving down a highway and you can see a sign far in the distance and you can barely make out the sign, but the closer you get as you approach it, the more you begin to rise. That's the sign I was looking at. And so you're, approach, you're drawing close. There's an approach that, that occurs. And so... The central theme of the Scriptures, especially the New Testament, and one of the central themes of the preaching of the New Testament church was this, this whole idea that Jesus Christ is coming back again. His coming back is near. His coming back is approaching. And the, one of the reasons why they had this essence, this, this awareness of Jesus' second coming was because the disciples had watched Jesus go up into the sky and ascend into heaven. And the angels had said to them, the same Jesus that you saw go away, He's coming back again in like manner. So they lived in this anticipation of Jesus coming. And I want to read for you some scripture passages that will help us to see what the New Testament teaches, what Jesus teaches, some of the apostles teach regarding the second coming of Christ. So I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture to you for the next few moments. But you know what? The Bible never hurt anybody. And so we've got about six minutes of Bible reading. Is that okay? You think you can take six minutes out of, your, out of your Saturday to hear God's Word, okay? So if all I do tonight is read you these six, the, the six minutes of Scripture, this is going to be what you need to know about the second coming. I'll break it down from there, but let me read it for you, so pay close attention. I'm going to actually start in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 15. Let's see what Peter said. These are not in your notes, but you may want to write down the references so that you can uh, go back home and study them yourself. 2 Peter 3, verses 3 through 15. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, that's when Jesus is getting ready to come back again, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of His command, and He brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then He used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been, have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment, when ungodly people will be destroyed. Notice it's not might be, but it is will be. They will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to, come, everyone to experience or to repent. 
But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire, the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth, a new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, while you are what? Waiting for these things to happen, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Let's see what Jesus said. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. As though you are waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast, then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be Rewarded. Please notice that phrase, the servants who are ready and waiting. There's that word again, ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. You must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. By the way, who said that? Jesus said it. These are the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Let's continue now in chapter 17 of Luke. Verse 26 down through 37. If you're taking reference, writing the references down, this is Luke 26, Luke 17, verses 26 through 37. By the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When the Son of Man returns, not if the Son of Man returns, but when, okay, there will be a date. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the time when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it, and if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures show there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Now, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven, Jesus' words, by the way, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids 
who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five, five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Notice that when the bridegroom was delayed... They didn't come when they expected him to come. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. While they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. Read the rest with me. For you do not know the day or hour of my return. Please read that phrase with me again. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. The essence of all these passages, while there are lots of different things that we could talk about in relationship to them, the primary message, two words, be prepared. Say it again with me, be prepared. And there are nine things I'm going to draw out of these passages that you need to know from these passages and others that I'll mention to you as we go along this that will help you to be prepared because the main message about the coming of Jesus is be prepared. That's the main thing that Jesus said. Keep watch. You don't know the day or the hour when this is going to happen. So you need to be prepared. The essence is, yes, I am coming back again. You don't know when it's going to happen. You can't predict when it's going to transpire. doesn't matter how many charts you, 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 you design or how, how much you think you know when it's going to happen. Nobody knows for sure, as we'll mention in a moment, that except the Father when Jesus is going to come back again. And so here's your charge until I come back. Be prepared. Keep watch. Be prepared. And so here are nine things that will help you to be prepared for Jesus' return. Write them down. Number one, the first thing you need to know about the second coming of Jesus, it is a certainty. There's no question it is going to happen. There is no question, dear ones, that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Some people will say, you are foolish to believe that Jesus Christ will come back again. I would submit they are foolish not to believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Because all of the prophecies related to the first coming of Jesus were fulfilled. And did Jesus Christ come in fulfillment the first time of all the prophecies that were given related to Him? Oh, yes, He did. Our whole history is split in two, B.C. and A.D. Why? Because He actually came. And so if we can look back and say we know that He did what He said He was going to do in His first coming, we can be sure that He is going to come again. So the first thing that will help you to prepare for His coming is to know it is certain that He is going to come again. There is no question about it. It is going to happen. It is foolish not to believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again. The second thing you need to know about Jesus coming is that it is imminent. What that means is it can happen anytime. It can happen soon, any moment, any time. In fact, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, Look, 
I am coming soon. He said, I am coming soon. Well, Jesus, what's soon to you? Well, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. And so when Jesus said, I'm coming soon, it's only been two days. Right? A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And Jesus went back to heaven about 2,000 years ago. So as far as God's concerned, it's only been a couple of days. Right? Are you with me on that? So see, we live in this time-space idea that we measure everything according to our time. And God has an entire... See, God is the God of eternity. Eternity past and eternity future. And so time is very different to God. We live in a time frame. God has no time frame. There's no time frame to God. He is the infinite God. And so you need to be aware of that reality and say, well, you know what? Yes, He is coming back soon. It is imminent. It can happen at any time. The third thing that you need to know about the second coming of Jesus is that the exact time is unknown. I've said this before, but I want to say it very clearly. If you hear anyone predict to you when Jesus is coming back again and try to tell you the date and the hour when Jesus is going to come back again, then I will tell you it's heresy. There's not a single Bible teacher, teacher of prophecy that can tell you the exact day and time when Jesus Christ is going to come back again. I remember in 1988, there was this guy that wrote 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. Well, last I checked, 88 is behind us, okay? Just a few years ago, we had someone predicting the, a particular day of the second coming of our Lord and, and how he made the headlines and really looked very foolish regarding his prediction. Why? Because the Bible is clear. There's not anyone except the Father. Notice Acts chapter 1 verse 7. Jesus said to them, he said to them, it is not for you to know the, de- the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. God says, I know when it's going to happen And don't worry about the time and don't worry about the date. You just be ready when it comes. The fourth thing you need to know about the second coming of Jesus is it will catch many by surprise. 2 Peter 3.10, we read it a moment ago. The first part of that verse says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Have you noticed that that thieves and robbers don't set appointments? (laughs) I'll be at your house, you know, 1.30 a.m., Next Tuesday. They, don't say, they, they come when it's least expected. And so we have to be aware that there's a surprise element. Not as though God is trying to surprise us and trick us in any way. That's not it at all. It's just the fact that we will be surprised. We don't know. And so when you, because you don't know when He's going to come, when He comes, it is a surprise at some level. You know He's coming, but you're not quite sure when He's going to arrive. And so when He shows up, it is a surprise. You need to be aware of that. And so again, it goes back to the idea of predicting the exact time and date. Number five, fifth thing you need to know about the second coming of Jesus when He comes back again. Some will be taken with Christ and others will be left behind. I don't, I say that with with great grief in my heart because it's the reality of people who've chosen Jesus and those who've not and that's why we as a church have such an important responsibility to do what Jesus has called us to do is to tell as many people as possible about the good news of Christ and how much he loves them and died on the cross to save them from their sins because it is salvation that will put you in the position of being taken with him when he comes back again 
he takes his children home with him. So some will be taken and others will be left behind. Luke 17, 34, I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Could I ask you just to think about this with me for a moment? Are you in a position spiritually right now that if Jesus Christ were to come back tonight that you would be taken? Or are you in a situation where you've not made peace with God and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and if Jesus were to come back tonight you would be left behind? See, this is how serious this is. Because when Jesus Christ comes back again, the Bible is very clear. Some will be taken and some will be left behind. It will be very clear of those who know the Lord and those that don't know the Lord. And you have to make the decision in your life as to whether you're going to know God and give your life to Him and serve Him so that you are ready for that time, so that you are prepared to be taken. I know that I can stand here tonight and I can stand here with no fear of the second coming. I have no fear of the second coming at all. You know why? Because I know I'm going to be taken. Why? Because I've been a good person? No, it's not about that. I'm going to be taken because I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. My name is written in the book of life, okay? There was a day when I was seven years of age that I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. I asked Him to come into my life and save me and give, give me life eternal. And that day when I put my faith in Jesus, my name was written in the family book. And my name is in the family book in heaven. And so I have no fear of the second coming of Jesus. In fact, I'm looking forward to it. I'm anticipating in a good way. Now, I feel sad for those that have not made that decision. But let me ask you, do you have that same kind of certainty in your life? If you don't, you need to make a decision. Not later. You need to make the decision today to say, I'm going to make peace with God and give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I want to be taken. I don't want to be left behind. Number six, the sixth thing that you must know about the second coming of Jesus is that those who've died in the faith will be resurrected at Christ's coming. And if you have some loved ones that have gone before you, they've already died, and they knew Jesus, right? Anybody had that experience in life? Just a few weeks ago, my wife's uh, father, my father-in-law, uh, passed on, went to be with Jesus after about 13 weeks of an illness that he had, an unexpected uh, event that transpired in his life, and, and he went to be with Jesus. But we had his funeral celebration, and we, we were reminded of the fact that, you know what, this man is no longer here, but he is there, okay? And he passed from this life to the next life. And we have the assurance that when Jesus comes back again, he will be resurrected. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, what's the next word there? Not discourage, but encourage. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What words? The words that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, the dead in Christ will rise. And those of us who know him will, and are still alive will meet him in the air. Number seven, the seventh thing you need to know about the second coming of Jesus is that believers who are alive at the time of Christ's coming will be instantly transformed. That should get a little bit of a hallelujah right there. Anybody have any problems with your body? You ever said before, I want to trade this one in and get another one? If I could just go to Walmart and get some new knees, right? Okay. If I could just get a new body, boy, my life would be so much better. Here's the good news. You're going to get one as a believer. 
And when Jesus comes back again, there's, a, there's this instant transformation. Well, how will it happen, Pastor? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just looking forward to it. The mysteries of God cannot be revealed. They cannot be explained. Every mystery of God cannot be fully understood. My mind's not big enough to understand how God can do this, but God is well able to, in a moment, in the flash of a moment, He can completely change you from your mortal body to an immortal body. In just a moment, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54. Listen, I tell you a mystery, right? A mystery. I just said it. Can't understand it. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed. Somebody said that's a good verse for the nursery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, okay? In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the, per- the, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. What a transformation that happens there. Number eight. The eighth thing you need to know about the second coming of Jesus is that every believer should live in anticipation of His coming. Anticipation is um, excitement. Excitement at His coming. There's a sense of, wow, I, I just can't wait to see Him again. I can't wait to see Him. I can't wait to have an encounter with the presence of Jesus. Matthew 24, 42, therefore keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And the ninth thing I want to share with you is that the anticipation of Christ's second coming should impact the way we live, give, and serve. If you really do believe that Jesus is coming back again, that life is not just this life, but it goes beyond this life for eternity. And if you believe that you may very well be alive when Jesus comes back again, that very well may be the case for you and me. Should it could it, would it affect the way you live? Would it? If you really believe that Jesus could come back tonight, if Jesus might show up tomorrow, if Jesus might show up on Monday, would, it change, would you start changing some things in your life if you thought you were going to see Jesus face to face? In the next 24 hours or 36 hours? Of course you would. You would you'd say, you know, this is serious. I need to get some things right with God. It changes the way you live. Would it change the way you give? Yes, because you're giving. You're, you're not just, I'm not talking financially here alone, but I'm talking about just the giving of your life and caring about the things of the kingdom of God and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the service of your life would be different. Why? Because you're living in this awareness, this anticipation that Jesus can come back any time. There's this imminent expectation of the, of the return of Christ so it changes me every day of my life that's why you and I need to wake up every morning and say today may be the day he said well if it's not the day what do you say well tomorrow may be the day and if this week isn't the week what do you say well next week may be the week and if it doesn't happen this year what do you say well next year might be the year but you always live in this anticipation of Jesus coming Here's the second point I want to give you today. Having given you that first, be prepared. The second is be prepared as well. I gave you the same words twice. You know why? What do you think I want you to leave here today with thinking about? Be prepared. 
be prepared for the final judgment. We all have a tendency as Christian believers to overlook and forget about our, our ultimate destiny. That one day we're all going to stand before God. We're going to actually give an account of our lives to God. We're going to tell God about our lives. He's going to know everything about it. We're going to give an account of why we lived our lives the way we did. The Bible says it's appointed and a man wants to die. After that, the judgment. Everybody experiences this. There's not a single person. I hope you'll listen closely because one day you're going to say, oh yeah, I remember that sermon Pastor Dell talked about that. It's true. It's true, okay? Then there's not a single person in this room today that will escape a face-to-face encounter of the judgment of God. You say, well, I thought God's all loving. He is, but a part of His love. Love can't be real love if it's not also right. Righteousness, okay? And so God is fully love, but He's also fully righteous, okay? He's fully love, but He's also He's also fully holy. He's holy. He's love. He's all these things together that we can't again comprehend it all. But that's who God is. He's holy. He's love. He's all these things, but He will also require of us to give an account of our lives to Him. Every person here, you have an appointment. You don't know when it is. It might come in death or it might come when Jesus comes back again. But everybody has an appointment with God. Every person here. If you don't begin to think that way, it's not going to change the way you live your life. And while we're saved by grace, aren't you glad you're saved by grace? You're not saved by what you do, okay? You're not saved by your works. Nobody gets to heaven because you do good things. No. If you think you're so good that you're going to get to heaven, have you measured your goodness against God's holiness? The Bible says that our righteousness, the best things we can do, when you put it up beside God, looks like filthy rags to Him, okay? And so there's nobody that can get to heaven by their own goodness. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven because God is perfect. And if you want to get there on His terms, you've got to be perfect too or there has to be another way. And there is another way and that way is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, okay? And so Jesus came in perfection and died on the cross for our sins so that when we put our faith in Jesus, here's a beautiful thing. A song's been written called The Beautiful Exchange. And there's this beautiful exchange that transpires. And when I put my faith in Jesus as a sinner, He gives to me a gift of righteousness. And there's a trade that happens. I trade Him my sin and He gives me His righteousness. He paid the price. And so now I'm saved by grace. Right? With me on this? I don't have to earn it. I don't do anything other than put my faith in Jesus. He did it all for me. Okay? He did it all for me. Now, having received that grace, what do I do with it? That's the question. Because now I've received the grace, and so I've got this gift of grace. Should it change my life? Oh, yes, absolutely. It should change everything that I do, the way I think, the way I live. And so what should happen is, because now I've received His grace and forgiveness and the salvation gift that He's given to me, it should, it should change my life so I begin to live in godliness and bear fruit for His glory. And so I don't earn salvation, but having received salvation, I begin to live differently. I begin to serve Him. Do I live perfectly? No. But I'm in a process of learning how to grow in Him day by day. The, the Bible refers to that as sanctification. That's becoming more holy day by day as you walk with God. And as I do this, then I'm, I'm actually stewarding the grace that God has given me. Just like when you give anybody a gift, right? You want them to use that gift well, right? If I gave you a, a million dollars, then I would hope you would take that million dollars as a gift and do something positive with it, right? I mean, don't spend it on wasteful things. 
Use it for something that will benefit your life. And so the same way when God gives us a gift of grace, he wants us to steward that grace well by growing up in him and, and, and living for him and bearing fruit for him. And so as we live our lives, we don't give an account for our ultimate salvation, but we do give an account for how we stewarded the grace God gave us. How did you live? You all with me on that? Okay. Do I need to go over all that again? This is really important. Okay. I mean, this is really important. So I don't go to God now. I, I, my judgment day in terms of heaven or hell is already over with. Okay? That happened when I put my faith in Jesus. I don't have that judgment day anymore. So I'm not going to stand before God and say heaven or hell. No, I, I know where I'm going because I put my faith in Christ. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm going to heaven if Jesus were to come back again. That issue of justification, being right with God, has already been settled. Don't have to worry about that. I have received the grace of God. However, I will stand before God one day and give an account for what I did with the grace He gave me. It's not heaven or hell. It's all about the rewards that I will experience for eternity. I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, you're talking about rewards. If you're going on any kind of rewards, you better go for rewards for eternity, right? Okay. Don't worry about the stuff people get here. Okay. That all burns up. Okay. Are you with me on this? Okay. What you need to think about is what lasts forever. Okay. What did I do with my life that made a difference that caused me to have rewards for heaven? But Jesus said, don't lay up your treasures on earth where men break in and steal and rust corrodes and moths come in and eat stuff away. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where these kind of things can't get to them. And so when I get to heaven, I want to, I'm going to stand before God and give an account for the way I stewarded the grace that was given to me. So there are several things, three things I want to wrap this up with. We're just about done, but three important things to note about the judgment of believers. I'm not talking about the judgment of unbelievers. I'm talking about the judgment of Christian believers. I've already made the first point. I'll make it again. Every believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If you're a Christian, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says there will be a day of accounting for every Christian. It's not associated with our justification our salvation is not associated with your eternal destiny, but it's related to how you lived your life as a believer. You will give an account for how you lived your life as a believer. If you just kind of played around with God and didn't really take Him seriously, it's going, you, you will give an account on that day. Or if you served Him wholeheartedly, you'll give an account on that day for how you lived your life as a Christian. Second Corinthians 5 verse 10. Would you read it together with me all aloud and loud? Let's read. Here we go. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will re each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. We must all stand before Christ. The second thing you must understand about this judgment is that a stricter judgment will apply to spiritual teachers and leaders. James 3 verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the, in the church. For we who teach will be judged how? more strictly when we all get to heaven you'll be in one line I'll be in a different line it's the truth because as a preacher or teacher of God's word I'm being judged more strictly I'm being judged by not that I just preach it but I preach it and live it okay and so there's a responsibility that is ramped up for a spiritual leader now you better believe this verse scares me okay this verse sobers me quite regularly this verse 
if you will, haunts me because I know that this is the requirement. Not only are we all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but there are going to be some questions that will be asked of me that will not be asked of the average everyday believer that I'm going to have to give an account for. And every spiritual leader that teaches and stands before you to give you God's Word, there's a higher level of responsibility before God. And so it needs to be exercised accordingly. And here's the third thing to understand. The judgment of believers, read the rest with me, includes and... Oh, you kind of mumble that latter part there, okay? I think we ought to try that again. The judgment of believers includes and... Now, that should scare you. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. Why don't you read it with me? But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted... And by your words, you will be condemned. You know, sometimes the most horrible things that we do in life are not just the actions that we perform, but it's the words that we speak. The damage that we do with that little organ in the middle of our face that cuts and destroys and hurts people and hurts the purposes of God. And so that's why Jesus said, it's not just the actions that you do that's going to get you, uh, will be a point of your accountability before him. It's also the words that you spoke and the impact they had on the people around you. So remember something about the second coming of Jesus. It is sure it is going to happen. You say, well, it hasn't happened in 2,000 years. Well, it's only been a couple of days. It is sure it is going to happen. Second thing to remember, it's sudden. When it happens, it's going to happen suddenly. You don't know when it's going to happen. It'll happen suddenly. It'll be surprising. And the most important thing I can leave you with this weekend When it comes to the second coming of Jesus, as you need to be ready, you need to be prepared. Say the phrase with me again, be prepared. Forget about all these other things that you think you need to know about the second coming of Jesus. Nobody knows, okay? Well, is he going to come before the... The tribulation, or is he going to come in the middle of the tribulation, or is he going to come after the tribulation? Uh, Is he going to come, is there going to even be a tribulation? All that kind of stuff. I don't know. I have no idea. I have some theories, but all I could do is confuse you further with my theories, and I don't need to do it. What I need to tell you is this. He is coming back again. And I need to tell you, as your pastor, that you need to know it's going to be sudden. When it happens, there are going to be things that are going to unfold and unfold suddenly around you. The dead in Christ will rise, and those of us who know Him will be caught up together with Him in the air. Some will be taken, others will be left, and will usher us into a time of judgment. I know that for sure. Okay. The challenge is to say, you know what, Jesus? I want to be ready, and I want to do everything I possibly can to bring as many people with me that the influence of my life, I can do everything I can to share the same good news that saved me to those that still need salvation in their lives. Amen? Would you join me as we pray together? Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for teaching us and giving us instructions in your word about your second coming. And Lord, so many times we want to know all the details, but Lord... You didn't give us all the details. You didn't give us the details for, for a reason. You told us, in essence, to be prepared. And I pray for people this weekend 
Lord, perhaps there's some here this evening that they're not prepared at all. They've never invited you into their life. They've never received you as Lord and Savior. And I'm not here to, to frighten them this evening. I'm here to, to bring them to that sobriety moment of recognition of this important decision in their life. And God, I pray if they've never made the decision to invite Jesus into their heart, that this would be the moment today. I pray for all of us here this, this weekend that you would help us to to live in the light of your coming, to realize that you are coming again. Let it change the way we live. Let it change the way we give. Let it change the way we serve. Let it change every part of our being, knowing that one day we will stand before you and give an account of our lives. We want to give a good account, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. So work this message deep into our heart. Let it motivate us to live fully for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.